Hey, everybody. Um, before I jump into the message for today, I want to take a minute just to be able to talk to people here in the room, all sites and venues, people watching online who, who would call Blackhawk Church home. This is like, this is your home church. And uh, the reason why I want to do that, I, um, at this time of the year, as we get into the middle of January, I have all kinds of people who are coming up to me and asking me like, all right, so what happened over Christmas? What happened with Advent Conspiracy? How did everything pan out? And so um, this is one of the fun parts of my job where I get to come and really share with you the things that we got to see God do. I mean, in all honesty, um, as the senior pastor of Blackhawk, like I just sit back and I see the way that God works in our church through so many people over Christmas. It just blows me out of the water. It really is amazing. It's just, it's one of those moments like as a proud dad, you know, to just look and see the way that God is working through our entire church. A lot of it's kicked off um, during that season with study day. We had study day again this year and, uh, you know, had hundreds of students who came through the doors of this place at a really stressful time in their lives, looking for a place to um, sort of study and blow off steam and, uh, and deal sort of as a major stress reliever. And you all, so many of you showed up uh, to help out with everything that took place, with the food that you brought, with the time that you spent, the hours that you volunteered. Like it was just a, it was a huge win. And then uh, a couple days after that, we tried something new that we actually, we've never done before. We did something called a blue Christmas service. Um, and uh, it was a, a service that was really set aside for people who are hurting during the Christmas holiday, people who have lost loved ones or dealt with medical issues over the year that they didn't see coming. And not everything at that time of the year feels joyful. At, at a time like that, it can be really difficult sometimes to deal with pain and suffering. And, uh, and so we created this service and uh, y'all, it was powerful. We had over 300 people who showed up for that service, and it was just an amazing, amazing time. And um, if, if, if it was something that you missed, I mean, we're looking at doing it again next year. It was just, it was a really, really powerful time to be together. And then just a couple days after that, we started into our Christmas services at all sites, all venues, all of these things happening. We had services on the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And I want to make sure that I get this right. We had over um, 7,300 people who showed up at services as well as uh, people connected to another 1,300 devices who joined us for services online. That was just amazing to see that many people come through the doors. And within that, we gave a gospel presentation. We actually had the opportunity to connect with uh, over 30 people who gave their lives, to, who placed their faith in Jesus for the first time. It's just amazing to see the way that God's working. And then on top of that, I mean, during this whole holiday season, we've heard about Advent conspiracy and everything that was taking place with that. Okay, and uh, so the total for the amount that came in, do y'all wanna hear? Can I get a drum roll, at least from people in the room right now? Okay, wait, I already lost it. Hang on, I need to hang on. So, okay, we came, $450,202 that came in through that place. That, you all, that... That is unbelievable. And, uh, and to see the way that our church, just in moments like this with opportunities we have to be able to connect with different organizations and nonprofits and ministries to be able to lift up the name of Jesus by the way that we're the hands and feet of Jesus, uh, just being used by him, not so that people know the name of Blackhawk, but so that the name of Jesus is lifted higher. You all, 
you showed up. Your generosity is amazing. And so it's just my opportunity to stand here and go, way to go church. Man, thank you. That's fantastic. Let's keep moving this way. The way that I think that God desires to use us in this city, in, in, in Dane County, in, in, in the areas around the world that we get the chance to be, man, it's just amazing. And um, now a little bit of news to note, we work on a fiscal year uh, um, budget. And so our budget starts at the beginning of July, goes through the end of June. Just something for you all to know who call Blackhawk Church home, you give here on a regular basis. Right now, um, as of December, we were about $400,000 behind budget for this time of year. So if that's something you want to help with, we would love to be able to make up some of that. But all together within our church, with the ways that God's working, man, I just get so excited about what God has in store for us in 2024. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment to be able just for all of us to pray together, to pray for people who came through the doors of our church, that they would continue to experience Jesus for these ministries that we have the chance to be able to give to, that God would be able to bless them in huge ways. So would you, let's just take a minute to pray together, all sides and venues right now. God, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to play some type of role in what you're doing in this city and what you're doing in Dane County, what you're doing around the world. And God, we, we pray for the 30 people we know of who place their faith in you. We pray, Father, they would continue just to grow in their understanding of who you are and the way that you love them that would change and, and, and shape their lives. God, we pray for people who came to church here, who have landed and planted and plugged in. We pray, Father, that they would find true community through what they experienced at this place. And God, for the, the money that we had the opportunity to be able to be generous with, we pray that you would take it and you would use it just tenfold, that, that, that your name ultimately would be lifted high, that this world, uh, it, it would just look more like you. And uh, so God, thank you again, just for the opportunity to play whatever role you've given us in your big picture stuff that you're doing. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen. Well, um, hey, again, welcome. Really glad you all are here. Welcome to everybody online. Welcome to everybody joining us at all sites and venues. Hey, and one special welcome that I wanted to give. It's more of a welcome back. Welcome back college students. So who were showing back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. All sites and venues. I mean, if you're a Braider Way or Fitchburg, Gospel Fusion, or if you're Traditions, if you're a bunch of you who are downtown. And I know that some of you are here right now and there'll be more next week as classes are starting back. Welcome, welcome back to second semester college where you go to and you're supposed to learn. This is why you go to college. So welcome back. We're, we're glad you're here. We love having you all as a part of our church and uh, I just get excited about the times where we get back into a semester and you all are around again because you affect the ways that things go around here. You know what's something else actually that I get really excited about um, in particular? I get kind of excited that tomorrow it's supposed to be 35 degrees. Anybody, can I get an A or applause or amen or anything from people in the room? If you're watching online from a warm place, <laughs> hmm. You're not our favorite right now. But for all of us in Dane County, you get it. I mean, we've dealt with, like for any of us who are wondering at Christmas time, is winter coming? Oh, yes. And with snow and then the amount of like sub-zero temperatures that we've been having, anyone else ready to like have the ice off of the roads? That's all I'm asking right now. Can I get an amen from people in the room? Can we just get to that place? So I look at it and I go, yep, okay, can't wait. How many of you are excited? 35 degrees, show of hands right now. Yeah, all sites of venues, yeah. With hoops and hollers in this room. Okay, but for any of us 
who live in Wisconsin, or any of us, any show of hands, anyone who is surprised by the fact that we've been dealing with sub-zero temperatures? Not a hand goes up. One hand in the, yes, the person from Hawaii, I guess, in the back. Or, <laughs> of course we're not surprised. Because if you, you know this, if you live in Wisconsin and you're dealing with winter, you know you're going to deal with zero degree or sub-zero temperatures. It's not if, it's when. When we were all dealing with what we were doing, warm weather at Christmas, we weren't going, wow, I feel like we're probably not going to have any cold temperatures. Said no one. We knew it was coming. You know that it's on the way. It's not if it's coming It's when. Here's the thing. That actually fits into the direction that we're going today with today's message. If you haven't been around or if you're just coming back for the semester, we're uh, in week three of this series that we're doing called Under Construction. And uh, in this particular series, what we're doing during this time for a series of weeks is we're taking a look at some of the different reasons why it is that people deconstruct from their faith. They walk away from their faith. And, and sometimes people want to shy away from these type of conversations. As a church, we actually just want to be able to move towards them and have real conversations about some of the subjects. And in week one of this series, Pastor Chris, he actually talked about this. He kind of laid it out this way. When it comes to this idea of like construction to then deconstruction and, and reconstruction. And so he said it this way, that in construction, we build some faith or belief in God in the Bible. For a lot of us, this happens maybe early on in our life where we come to the time where where we place our faith in Jesus for the first time. For some of us, that happens when we're young. For others of us, it's not that far along, but we're still learning so much about the Bible and Jesus and who he is and what he says. And then at some point, for many of us, we hit this place of, of deconstruction. The way we would say that is some expectation that we have about God and the Bible that's not working for us anymore. And so we begin to dismantle it. It's a belief that we have in some way. The way that Chris talked about it was like house projects. It's that picture of like poking holes in a wall in order to start the deconstruction process. And the thing that we, that we looked at is the fact that deconstruction actually is not a bad thing. It's not something that we actually want to shy away from. It actually can be a really good thing and God can do some deep work in our lives. The thing to know is that God's not, God's not offended when we start asking questions about things that we're wondering about in our faith. He's not sitting there perplexed or worried or angry. He wants us to be able to do that. But the problem that takes place is when people dismantle or they deconstruct, and that's as far as they take it. Because the hope would be when we get to those places where we start poking holes, that we would come to the place of reconstruction, where all of a sudden our faith in who God is, it goes deeper. We gain a deeper understanding of the true message of the gospel. The way that we would say it is we get some help from others. A new and stronger faith emerges that helps us on our spiritual journey and true spiritual transformation takes place. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this t- today. This whole idea of construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction. And the direction that we're going with it, the topic that we're covering really with those, that we're going to kind of run through that grid, is the topic of suffering. Yay! <laughs> suffering. That's what we're talking about today. How on earth could a good and all-powerful God allow suffering in the world? And y'all, like, 
let me just tell you, this is a hard talk to give. It's hard for a couple different reasons. One in particular, because this is like, this is a massive subject. And altogether, I've got right now, I've got about 29 minutes left to be able to cover everything on the subject of suffering. So that, like, just newsflash, you're going to leave with more questions than answers. And, and you're going to have all kinds of stuff that you wish that I had time to be able to cover. We could do a series just on this one in particular. And, and so for, for some of you who want to take the conversation more, we have some different resources on our webpage that you can look at. One in particular is a book by Tim Keller called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And that might be something that you want to check out if you want to go deeper into this subject. So that would be a possibility. That's one reason why it's a hard talk. The other one, in all honesty, is, um, well, um, because if there, when it comes to deconstructing your faith, if there are any of these subjects that we're going to be talking about over these weeks that, have, that, that I struggle with, it's this one. Like if there are any of them that cause me to doubt my faith and to wrestle with questions, it's this particular subject. I mean, all I have to do is go home and watch the news and you see the amount of stuff with wars that are taking place and innocent people who are getting caught in the middle of it all and lose their lives. You look at everything that is going on in the world with injustice. You look at mass shootings that take place. And I just sit there and go, God, but why? How? I don't get it. But then on top of that, for me, it's not just looking at the things from a distance of people who I don't know. It's actually with things that, I've gone, like, that have gone on in my life even in the last year. I mean, a lot of you know, I mean, that, that, that about seven months ago, my dad passed away. So my family's been dealing with that. Not long before that, Rachel, my wife, her dad passed away. Since my dad passed away, my, my mom, who deals with dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, in the, the retirement community that they lived in, had to move to the memory care wing. And since my dad's death, we have just seen a rapid increase in her just slipping away. She's gotten to the point now where she doesn't remember how to answer the phone. So for me to be able to talk to her is quite a process and just trying to be able to get her on the phone. When I do, normally she just cries the whole time. She asks me where I am if I know that my dad died and when I'm coming to visit her. And it's just that loop over and over again. You know, Alzheimer's is a horrible, horrible disease. And then on, and then on top of that, um, just a couple days before Christmas, right in between our Christmas services and the blue Christmas service, my aunt passed away. She uh, was, we were close to her. She lived in South Florida, not far from my parents. She was the, she was my dad's youngest sister. The last one in my dad's family who was alive. She, during that time, right at that time, got a cancer diagnosis and uh, was told that she had about six months to live. And two days later, she passed away. And so that's just my life. We deal with hard stuff. And we all of a sudden start to ask different questions. And that's just my own stuff. I mean, you could, you could be dealing with that right now. You could be the person, you could be the person who also is dealing with a, a parent who is slowly dying. Or you could be a person at any of our sites and venues who you've had a friend recently who died not in, in the last years of their lives, but in the prime of their life. You could be a person who is dealing with a, a failing marriage. Or you could be the person who lost their job. You could be the person who had a miscarriage. You could be the person who, for the first time, you heard the C word, cancer. Or you could be the person who you're dealing with some medical issue that has come up that has the potential to literally change 
the rest of your, your life. You could be a person who deals with, with pain, debilitating pain all the time that you just have to live with. You could be the person who deals with depression and anxiety, and no matter what you try, it just doesn't seem to get better. You see, I, and here's the thing. I say all those things on a list, not just to have random ideas to try to connect with people, but because those are things that I've had the opportunity to walk with people in our church through just since the beginning of 2024, just in the last three weeks. Y'all, we are, we are a part of a large community of people at all of our sites and venues, and we have people hurting all over the place. I know of people at every one of the rooms where you're listening to me right now, of people I know who are deeply hurting. And so when we deeply hurt, it's very easy for us to get to the place of asking the questions, God, where are you? And we start to deconstruct in some way to go, well, maybe God's not all powerful or maybe he's not all good, or maybe he just doesn't exist at all. It's like if we were to break things down through this grid that we were looking at, it would be like this. We would look at construction. And, and, and for many of us, I think that we go to this place. I think that there, there is something, I don't know if it's within our society or something people are taught or something that just we just pick up on due to the world that we live in. But we begin to think that, we begin to think that if I follow Jesus, that he'll keep me from suffering. He'll keep me from pain in my life. And then all of a sudden, the storms of life come. It's like those sub-zero temperature days start to hit. And when we don't expect them, they cause us to start asking different types of questions. And we begin to ask, like, we think, well, I'm experiencing suffering. So therefore, an all-good and all-powerful God must not exist. Like either he's not all good or he's not all powerful or he just doesn't exist at all. And, and the thing with this struggle, this particular area that we're working in with deconstruction, when, when we get to those places, here's the thing. Those questions do not continue to just be intellectual or philosophical questions that we want to debate. They become, they become personal and emotional to us. It takes us to a deeper place with the things that we begin to struggle with, with the questions that we really start to ask. And so here's the thing that I want you to know. I, man, as we dive into kind of some of these answers, how could God allow these things to happen? I just, I want to be careful because I know that some of you are dealing with um, crushing suffering right now. And, and so the broad answers that I give to these questions, it can feel kind of like I'm trying to do surgery with a broadsword rather than with a scalpel. In other words, they can feel insensitive to the places where you're at. I mean, honestly, like if you're, if you're in a place right now where you're dealing with crushing suffering, you don't need to listen to this message. Like just pull out your phone and scroll through social media or something like that because you don't need to hear this. Like what you need right now, you need a place where you can just go and you can pour out your feelings and you can lay out your doubts and you can get angry and frustrated and yell. And you can say out loud that you don't believe maybe that there's a God without the fear of being judged. Like if I were with you right now, the thing that I would be doing, I would just like, I would just want to sit with you and say, I'm sorry. And I'd want to give you a hug. And I'd want to just sit and listen with you because what do you say in those moments? 
But here's the thing, statistically, for all of our sites and venues, everybody listen right now, the vast majority of us are not dealing with that type of suffering. And that's the reason for moving towards broad answers. But I'm just telling you ahead of time, with the broad answers, there could be some of it that feels insensitive. And so the first thing that we have to move towards is this idea. Okay, why would a good and all-powerful God allow suffering in the world? So I'm going to try to give some type of answer to that as feeble and... uh, (laughs) I'm going to stumble through this. And the place that we have to start is the fact that, well, God loves us. God loves us deeply. And because God loves us, he gave us the gift of freedom. You see, God's desire with the humanity, with the world that he created, with humanity that he created is the fact that we would be in true relationship with him. A relationship where we have the opportunity to love God freely back. Because if God was one to force people to love him, that right, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be real love. Anytime that we are forced to do something like that, it's not real love. And God didn't want that. And so he created the opportunity for us to freely move towards him. But in a broken world, the things that can take place, when we have the ability to freely love, it means that we also have the ability to not love that we have the opportunity to move towards God or to move away from God, that we can be people who move towards good or move towards evil. We can have the opportunity to make our lives about love or to make our lives about hate. These, these are the directions that, I mean, we look at in this whole idea, these are the directions that we can go. And so really when it comes to that whole subject, like this is the reason why an all good and all powerful God He cannot, he will not make humans choose good all the time. If he does, he takes away one of the greatest gifts that he gave us, and that was free will. And so the only way to guarantee a world without suffering, because within that free will, the thing that happens is it's a guarantee then because of that, that all of us are going to deal with due to sin in this world to insurmountable pain and suffering. But the only thing, the only way God could guarantee a world without suffering is to eliminate freedom. And God won't do that. He can't do that. So in the world that we live in, that's broken, we're going to deal with pain and suffering. It's inevitable for every person. Like it's not, it's not if it's when, just like for winters in Wisconsin, it's not if sub-zero temperatures are coming, it's when. Okay, so that, that helps us a little bit with the idea of the ways that we hurt each other in relationship. But what about random suffering? What about, what about natural disasters or sickness or all of these things? You know, there's a, there's a book in the Bible, the book of Job, that's written all about this subject of suffering and what we're supposed to do with it. And it's like, it's an amazing book. We could do a whole series in it. Maybe we should do a whole series in the book of Job. But in this book, the main character, if, the main character Job goes through all kinds of horrific suffering loses people in his family, goes through all kinds of disease, loses everything that he owns. I mean, the bottom drops out of his life like we cannot imagine. But some of the things that we learn in this book, big picture, three of the different things that we take away. One, (laughs) God is not punishing him. Throughout the entire book, as you read it, you realize there is no part of this where God's punishing him. Another thing is that the characters in the story, they would say, we don't know why Job is suffering. They are never told as to why these things are actually taking place in his life. Oh, and the third thing is the people, his so-called friends, 
who are trying to tell him that they know why it is that he's suffering, yeah, they're completely wrong. You see, the reality is with this, there are ways that we suffer in this world and we are never given answers as to why it is that it takes place. One of the things that happens to me as a pastor sometimes is people will come, they'll want to have big picture conversations about this subject of suffering. Why would God allow this? Why wouldn't he do this? If he's all good, he's all powerful. Why wouldn't he work here? Why wouldn't he step into this situation? And anytime people are asking me these questions, there's something that I, um, that I, I think. I, never, I don't say it out loud, but I think it. People come to me with those questions and I think, huh, you really think I'm smart. Like, I'm, I'm kind of flattered that you actually feel like I might have an answer to those questions. Because the reality is, we don't. I mean, you all, like, I'm just a human being. And as far as I know, God hasn't answered these questions for us. God, like, I don't have a direct line to God and the wisdom to be able to know the reasons why God does what he does. Here's just big picture idea. Most of the time, God does not answer our why questions. And we need to be careful of times where we are with people. We need to be careful that we don't try to step into those moments and play God to answer those questions for other people. If God's not answering, yeah, we shouldn't try to answer either. If there are people in your life who, when you see suffering, you see them pointing to why, yeah, I'd be careful. That can get dangerous. The reality is there is suffering that takes place for all of us. It happened to Job. The other thing that we see, man, so many characters in the Bible dealt with suffering. People who loved God, followed God, trusted God, and the bottom fell out of their lives. People who loved Jesus, gave everything for Jesus, followed Jesus, and they dealt with suffering. I want to take it to a deeper place. <laughs> Jesus dealt with suffering. One of, the, one of the prophets actually wrote about this idea He gave us a picture of what the life of Jesus would look like. He wrote about it before Jesus was on the earth from a past tense perspective. He said this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. (laughs) Like that is not the picture of Jesus being being blessed with this like safe and prosperous, happy, clappy life because he was the son of God. Like he was one who completely suffered. And not only did he suffer, but he actually went as far as to tell his followers, guess what? They're going to suffer. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he was with his followers. And in that moment, it's recorded in the book of John where Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. If you live in Wisconsin in the winter, you're going to deal with sub-zero temperatures. It's not if, it's when. Y'all, I don't, I don't know how to say this more plainly. God never tells us that we're not going to suffer. And the whole idea or premise that some of us can grab onto within our lives, some of the things that we've been taught in particular places, that God sent his son Jesus into this world to suffer the way that he did in order to give us a happy, clappy, prosperous, like worldly life that we would live where we're living our best life now, that is so incredibly false. 
Like that is just a load of garbage. I mean, you all, we follow, we follow a savior who gave his life. We follow a crucified Jesus. We follow the one who was known as the suffering servant. And so why would it surprise us in our lives that we would be people who continue to suffer in different ways too? But here's the thing. God knows that. And he loves us. And so he wants to help us to see how do we walk through this life knowing that suffering is coming without deconstructing our faith and just simply walking away. And the way that he tells us to do that, big picture, is that as Christ followers, for us to reconstruct in order to move towards a place of getting deeper in our understanding of God and the way that we live this life, is to reconstruct by as Christ followers understanding what it means to hurt with hope. To hurt with hope. That's what we're called to do. Like, let's kind of start that off. As Christ followers, we need to be people who understand what it means to lament. We need to be people who understand what it means to cry out to God with real hurt and pain in our lives. Like to, you all, to, to cry out to God with raw, ugly, real prayers. The psalmists were amazed at this. A lot of times we think of the book of Psalms as like this book of worship and praise poetry. Well, guess what? A third of the Psalms, over 50 of the Psalms are are cries to God and lament. And they're meant not just to be examples for us, but to actually teach us how to pray. Listen to these three different Psalms written by David and some some of the other psalmists. Psalm 13 says this, how long, Lord, Will you forget me forever? Okay, just stop and think about this for a minute. Imagine someone in your community group starting to pray this way. You'd be like, whoa. See, in, in, in today's day and age, we're people like, we live in the world of Midwestern nice where everything is always fine. Your world could be falling out from underneath you. And yet we get with people and we're like, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just fine. Yeah, the psalmist, you read these things, you would go, yeah, they're not fine. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Psalm 22 says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Words of Jesus on the cross. He was quoting the Psalms. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? You see, (laughs) David and the other writers of the Psalms, they knew what it meant to truly cry out to God and lament ugly, raw prayers. Some of us would feel really uncomfortable praying prayers like this to God. Well, guess what? They're in scripture as a model of the way that we're called to pray. If there's unavoidable reality that we're going to be people who suffer, then we have to be people who learn what it means to pray ugly, raw, honest prayers to God. If we don't, we will keep it all inside. We will put on a happy, clappy, smiley face, and internally we will rage at the world. We have to be people 
who are able to truly lament and cry out to God in the pain of life that we're going to deal with. But the thing that we learn from scripture is not just that we cry out and we just leave it there, not that we cry out and that we walk away, but we cry out with an understanding of God's love for us that actually gives us hope. Something happens in all of the different Psalms that we looked at where there is a corner that is turned by these people that are crying out and they all of a sudden move towards hope in a different kind of a way. Listen to these verses here in these exact same Psalms. Psalm 13 that we started with turns the corner, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Psalm 22, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. Psalm 42, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. You see the psalmist, they knew what it meant to cry out to God. God, I don't get it. God, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Can you even hear me? And then to turn a corner and say, who else am I turning to? Because you're God and you love me and I don't get it, but I'm going to continue to follow you. It's this crying out, but crying out with hope. This is what Jesus wanted his disciples to understand the night before he went to the cross. When he said these words in John 16, where he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. The second half of what he said is, but take heart because guess what? I have overcome the world. Like, yes, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It is going to be awful and crippling at times, but guess what? I have overcome at all. And in the end, I win. You see, so we long for that day. We are called to be people who cry out, but we stand on the hope and promises of God. <laughs> one day he wins. And so one day, all things that are sad will not be sad, but that's not today. One day, everything will be made new. But that's not yet because we're not home yet. But one day, all of that will take place. And in the end, God wins where he wipes away every tear. And there is no more cancer. And there is no more Alzheimer's. And there is no more pain. And there is no more suffering. And there is no more divorce. And there is no more injustice. And there is no more leukemia. And there is no more job loss. And everything will be made right. So we hurt but we hurt with hope. And what do we do in the meantime? Well, God tells us in the meantime, he's with us. You know, Jesus, right after he had risen from the grave, spent time with his disciples, was about to ascend back to heaven. He didn't say to us, hey, I remember I came so that I'll make all things right here on this world right now. He didn't say that. Your world is going to be amazing and you're going to have a fantastic life. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. We're promised in the midst of the suffering that we're inevitably going to go through in the midst of the sub-zero temperatures that we deal with in winter in Wisconsin, God says, I am going to be with you. It's like, okay, do you remember a, a, a handful of weeks ago, I, I gave a sermon and I talked about um, this Thailand soccer team from 2018, this young group of boys ranging between the ages of 12 and 16, who after practice one day, they went exploring in a cave, went miles in and a torrential downpour flash flood came and they were stuck in the cave, not able to get out without it, knowing if anyone knew that they were in there. 
And it took this massive worldwide rescue mission to be able to get these boys out. There were divers that had to dive for literally for miles, for hours to be able to get to the place where the boys were. And they had to figure out how to get them out. It took, man, close to two weeks to figure out how to be able to get them out. But from the time that they got to the boys, it was something interesting. I didn't have time to be able to share with this in the story because I always have 30 minutes, thank you very much, to be able to try to get as much in as I can. But in that story, I think one of the things that was so incredible about it, you know, from the time that the divers found them, the vast majority of the time, they made sure that one of the divers stayed with them. And it completely changed the mentality of the boys. Think about it. Had anything changed for them? Nope. Still stuck in the cave? Still cold? Still dark? Still kind of hard to breathe because oxygen levels are getting low? Like, and no guarantee they're, they're going to be able to get out. But there was something, something about that person being with them that changed things. Look, are you hurting right now? Are you dealing with situations where you're like, God, where are you? God promises us that he is with you more than you know. Psalm 34, 18 says this, God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, one of the biggest ways that we experience God being with us through this. It's through us as the church. Because you know what God calls us as the body? Well, I just said it. Do you know what God calls us? (laughs) Do you know? Yes, because I just told you, the body. The body of Christ. In other words, we are connected in a way to where we are to be there for each other, to where when we are there for each other, we actually experience the love and encouragement of Jesus. That's right. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. It says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do that? Well, Romans 12 goes on and tells us that we're to be people connected together where we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. I had the chance uh, right before Christmas to experience some of that. I, um, I actually went to the blue Christmas service. And when I say that I went because I just went to participate. Like the, the team putting it together knew some of the things that had been going on and were going on in my life. And they were like, how about if you just come to the service? And so I just showed up that night and I stood at the doors to greet people and say hi. And then the service began and I came in and I sat like right over here in this room. And uh, as the music started, just the floodgates opened for me. And I just lamented and wept. I went through a ton of Kleenex that night. I mean, good night. I had one of those little mini plastic bags and yeah, that lasted me about 10 minutes. And so I got up twice during the service to like <laughs> to reload, you know, cause I needed them. And finally it, it, the last time where I was out again, I'm like, I'm just going to get in a big box. And so I went to the back of the room to go and get a big box of Kleenex. And I realized as I was back there, I had just walked to the back of the room to get a box of Kleenex at the time where everyone had been released to pray with people around the room. So think about that. Here I am standing now back in this corner by a table, holding a box of Kleenex, the senior pastor of the church. It took about four seconds for somebody to beeline to me and ask me if I would pray for them. And in that moment... I, I, the people came to me and what I wanted to do was to say, uh, you guys, I'm, I'm kind of off tonight. 
You know, like I'm not really working. You know, like I, I'm, I, I'm the senior pastor, but I'm not right now. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. I'm not the, sure I'm the senior pastor, but I'm just a part of the body. And the people who came to me, it was a young woman who I know, her name is Mariah. She's a part of Blackhawk Downtown. She's a part of the college age ministry worship team. And uh, her mom came with her. And uh, Mariah's dad had just died from lung cancer about a month before that. And her mom was here visiting from Florida because they had been together pretty much since the time, I mean, before dad had died. And now she was here to do the holidays here. And they had a friend of theirs who was with them also from Black Blackhawk downtown, a good friend of mine named Hema. And they came and they just said, will you pray with us? And she, oh, I did not want to, like, I did not want to step into this moment as a senior pastor. And then this Romans 12 verse hit me, mourn with those who mourn. And so we just put our arms around each other, the four of us. And I just simply, I don't even remember exactly what I prayed, but it was not much. I said something like this. I said, God, Mariah and Vanessa lost their husband and their dad. And I lost my dad. We just hurt right now. We just cried. It was good. I had a box of Kleenex. I was prepared, you know, so... <laughs> We just sat there, you know, all of us, like, I don't know if you had, like, looking down and you just see, like, tears hitting the ground. Like, it was not ugly. It was not pretty crying. It was ugly crying. We just said nothing else was prayed. And finally, after a little bit, we said, God, I just said, God, we, we love you. We want to love you. We trust you. We want to trust you. You walk us through the season. In Jesus' name, amen. That was it. We just hugged each other, went back to our seats. Y'all, that moment, that was the highlight of that night for me. And after that service, I went home, I was exhausted. Like, have you ever had one of those you go to and you feel like you were hit by a truck by the end of the night? But the other thing too, through that experience, I felt like I had just experienced a bear hug from God. Like I had experienced, the scripture says, like a peace that surpasses understanding. I had experienced the comfort from God from a community of people who were mourning together. That's what the body is supposed to do for each other. You guys, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if you're dealing with deconstructing due to these issues, but if you are, I get it. But I'm telling you, reconstruction is possible. When we come to the place of realizing that in this world, we are going to have trouble, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And so we walk through the suffering that's inevitable, just like the winters here in Wisconsin. And we hang on to the hope that God gives us because he says that this world is not the end. And in the process of it, we walk with each other. That's how we reconstruct. So here's what I want to do. This is normally the time when I pray. Worship team comes up at all sites and venues and we sing a song and then we go home. And well, I want to do something just a little bit differently. Rather than, um, than having you stand, I'm just going to have you all stay seated. And there are going to be words on the screens at all sites and venues that you can sing along with if that's something that you want to do. But I think that for some people, at least people I know in this room and some people I know from different sites and venues, like it might be good for you just to sit and do some business with God right now. Just before you take off, before if you got kids, you go and get them. To, you just sit and take that in. 
And then at the end of the service, at all of our sites, all of our venues, we're going to have people around at the end who can pray with you if you'd like to do that. We're just going to keep rooms kind of quiet and you can come and do that. All of our site and venue pastors will lead you through that time at the end. Let me go ahead though and, and pray as we enter into this time to be able to sing together. God, thank you so much for the way that you love us. And God, we just admit when we deal with suffering, it causes us to ask all kinds, all kinds of questions that we can feel guilty about. We can feel like we're not sure if we're allowed to ask. God, thank you that you say that that's okay. I pray for anyone here who is going through crushing suffering. You would meet them in this place, that they would feel your comfort. God, I pray for people who are considering because of the things that they've walked through, the stuff that they see in the world of walking away from you. God, as they poke holes in this area, would they find your love to be so great and the walk that we can have with you to be so deep that it would ground them deeply in who it is that you say that you are. And God, I'll just admit, we long for that day when you make all things right. And so in the midst of this time, would you continue to let us know that you are with us? We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen.